Hi, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. We're in this series called The Will of God. And today I want to conclude this mini series by looking at the subject of choosing the will of God. Let's take a moment just to recap on the last couple of weeks. We looked at how God wants us to be walking in his will. But before we can walk in the will of God, we need to know what the will of God is. Sometimes there's moments where we have to seek the Lord for his will. But we should always remember that the Bible is the revealed will of God and it actually gives us direction and clarity concerning so many things that face our daily life. So let's not be a people that are saying, God, I want to know your will. I want to know your will. Yet at the same time, not reading the Bible and ignoring the revealed will of God. That's really important. We've looked over the last couple of weeks. And uh, the good news is you can go back and watch any of these previous uh, messages. We looked at the prescriptive will of God and the prohibitive will of God. We looked at the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God. I encouraged each and every one of us last week not to settle for the permissive will of God, that which God allows or permits, but rather to go after the perfect will of God, that which is perfect and pleasing and good, that which he truly desires for you, for that situation, for that choice that you're making. We spoke last week that one of the uh, parts of the original design of our creation was God gave us choice. Just like Adam had the choice to choose the tree of knowledge of good and evil or the tree of life. He had a, cho- he had a choice to reject God's plan for his life or choose the plan the devil was trying to introduce him or con him or or rob him with. He chose, sadly, um, the, the, the wrong plan and missed out on everything that God had perfectly designed for him to know. Now, we also spoke about not living in the boundary lines of the permissive with a heart that says, well, let me just get away with what I can get away with. That's such a lower level of Christianity than what we can know. Now, let's choose a more superior level of going. Yeah, the Bible clearly reveals the things that God allows that he permits for me. But also it reveals the things that he asks me to do that truly please him. When I pray, I hear the Holy Spirit instructing me to do this, to do that. I want to live in the perfect will of God because the rewards are always so much better. One more time, let's look at this key verse that we're using for this series from Romans 12 verses 1 to 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Remember, we consider our lives no longer our own, no longer belonging to a fallen world, but now our lives belong to God and we live lives that are going to be holy and pleasing to him. This is our true worship. Do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world. Don't live true to the will of the world for your life. Rather, know the will of God for your life, not just the permissive, but the perfect, and live to live true to that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What does that mean? Let the thoughts of the will of this world, a fallen world that directed how you lived your life, be removed and replaced with God's truth concerning how he would have you live act, treat people, respond to situations. It says if we live that way, then you will be able to know, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, not just his permissive will, 
but his good, <coughs> pleasing and perfect will for your life. Like we said last week, walking in his will is all about our choice. We may desire to walk in his will, but we have to know what his will is to make the decision to be able to walk in it. Now, his will is the things that he desires for us. But that sometimes conflicts or rubs against the things that we want for us. Often it's a collision between his will, whether that be permissive will or perfect will, and our will. Me want to do this. I know what you want, God, but me want to do this. That's where there's most often a collision of wills. That's why today we're going to talk about choosing the will of God. You know, the great author C.S. Lewis made this quote. Every prayer in the universe falls into two categories. Your will be done or my will be done. Don't you love that? Let me say that again. C.S. Lewis wrote, every single prayer that's prayed in the universe falls into just two categories. Your will be done or my will be done. We want to live lives that as we walk with the Lord, as we walk with Jesus, more and more we hear, let your will be done, Lord, not let my will be done. That's again back to the subject of choice. God gives you the ability to choose your will, your way of doing it, or his will and his way of doing it. You know, I mentioned before that sometimes in relationship, I hear people rewrite what marriage should look like. Oh yeah, we've got a plan. We're going to do it this way. And their plan, even though they may be in love, contradicts the perfect will of God revealed for how they navigate that relationship. And to tell you the truth, a lot of the time I hear people talk about how good their relationship is. But my question is always, yeah, but what could it have been? If you'd stepped into living that relationship according to the way that God wills for you to live it, not that you're not experiencing his goodness in how you're doing it, but what are you missing out with? What could it have looked like? That's a little bit of a teasy question, isn't it? See, your will be done, Lord, is a decision and it's often a replacement of our will. We've all read that prayer, Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Not just on earth, Lord, but in my life. That's what I pray each day when I pray that, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But also, Lord, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. When I'm praying that, I'm replacing my will. I'd prefer to do this, but your will comes first. I'd rather do this. This is more convenient, but your will comes first over mine. Now, when desiring to walk in God's will, you will often be confronted with the choice of your will or his will. Couple of examples. Do I do his will when I prefer to do it my way because it's easier my way? God, if I choose your will, that's a tougher road. If I do it my way, it's an easier road. In moments of decision like that, those are the key moments we need to say, 
even though it's going to be a tougher road, Lord, even though this is going to cost me more, I choose your will. Do I choose something more comfortable and easy for my life? Because it actually fits within the permissive will of God. You know, the Lord comes in and through his word or through his Holy Spirit, he challenges you concerning something that's his perfect will for your life. Yet he doesn't make you do it. Rather, he says, it's your choice now. And I look back on my life on many times where I chose my will because it was easier. It didn't cost as much. It didn't have a, such a big fallout as choosing his will. But actually, when I look back, I always know that I robbed myself. So you come to a point in your walk with the Lord where you go, I'm not going to rob myself anymore. God, even though it could cause chaos, even though it could be tougher, even though it could be more um, less comfortable, I choose your will, Lord. Now, there's always a cost to choosing the will of God. If you choose to live in the permissive will of God, that which he allows, there's a cost compared to a will that was contrary to his will. But when you choose the perfect will of God over the permissive will of God, there's often a choice involved there. I want to encourage you, always choose to go with the perfect. The cost may be greater, but the reward will be greater also. Remember, our reward for walking in the will of God isn't just a reward that comes to us in this life, but indeed the life that follows eternity. Not my will be done, but yours is normally always a choice. The most powerful imagery we have of this is obviously Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That moment before they come and arrest him, that moment before he's going to be tried and, and wrongly judged and punished and whipped, has a crown of thorns put on his head, um, be hung on a cross, give his life. Now, in that moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, you need to understand that Jesus was not unaware of what was going to happen. I don't know if you've ever been doing DIY in a shed and you've accidentally, or in your home, and you've accidentally missed a nail and hit your thumb with a hammer. That hurts, right? But imagine if you hit your thumb with a hammer but you previously knew you were going to do it and you knew the pain involved in what you were going to do. You see, Jesus didn't go to the cross unaware. He came in the volume of the book. He'd read the prophet Isaiah. He knew that they were going to rip out his beard. They knew that they were going to torment him, that he would be whipped, that he would be flogged, that he would be crucified. Jesus knew what was at stake the moment he said, your will be done. He would be pushing a button on waves of torment and pain that are unimaginable to you and me today. We go through things, but we'll never experience the torment of having the sin of the world come upon you when you're a holy, unsinful person. The suffering, the grief, the perversion of the world coming upon you so that you can make payment for the sin of humanity. So we're in this moment in the garden, and I just want to read this moment to you because it's such a powerful moment concerning Jesus choosing the will of the Father over his own will or desire or comfort. It says in the book of Luke chapter 22, I'm going to read verses 39 to 43. Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. It was a place that he normally went to pray for, but this was a different day. His disciples followed him. 
On reaching that place, he said to them, pray that you don't fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them. He knelt down and he prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup from me. He was looking ahead at the events of the night. He knew the moment he prayed this prayer, I will be done. All hell was going to let loose on his body, on his soul, on everything he was. But it had to happen to save the human race. He said, if there's any way, Father, that you could take this cup, this responsibility from me, please take it. Yet not my will be done, but yours. An angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is a moment termed the passion. This is a moment where Jesus has gone to the garden, this secret garden. He'd left his disciples, many of them behind. He'd taken a few with. He'd left them at certain places till he was in this moment when he was alone. Where he had to choose the permissive or the perfect. It says that at any moment, even on the cross, he said, don't think that you put me here. I could call at any moment and a legion of angels would take me away. But the problem was, if he did that, he would have left the salvation of humanity unsettled. He's in this moment and he's looking ahead at how much easier it would be if a father would move the cup. He's thinking, Lord, if there's any other way, if you move this cup, I won't be beaten. I won't be crucified. I won't have to go through what I've got to go through. You see, that was the humanity of Jesus, 100% God, yet 100% man, honestly crying out, God, if there's another way. Yet his conclusion was this. But Lord, if there is no other way to save the human race, not my will be done but yours. He had a choice. He chose what benefited us. He chose the Father's will even over what he preferred. He chose the Father's will for what would benefit us over self-gain. I love this in the Garden of Eden. The love of God, the love of Jesus is revealed in this choice of the will of the Father over his own desire. But actually, this wasn't just a moment in the garden, was it? When you look at the life of Jesus, this is a way that he lived. He lived constantly to be true to the will, the perfect will of the Father, not what he preferred. There's a real lesson for us when we see Jesus as a servant king, but constantly lived for the will of his Father. Surely that should inspire us. God, let me live for your will. Let me live to serve others. Now, this was actually the life that Jesus modelled for us to copy. It wasn't just a moment in the garden. You know, so often we look at this moment and we say, that was the moment when Jesus said, your will be done, Father, not mine. Well, read about his whole life in the Gospels. He constantly said, I don't do what I don't see the Father doing. I'm here to do the will of the Lord. I'm going to read you a snippet from John chapter 6, verse 38 to 40. Let's just show you this in, in practice in the Gospels. And for 33 years, he lived submitted to the perfect will of God. 
For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all of those he has given me, but raise them up in the last day. For my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life. And I will raise them up in the last day. Again, it's not God's will that any would perish. Jesus said it's the father's will that all would look to me. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But all man would look to me for salvation. And as they look to me for salvation, they will be saved indeed. You see, Jesus lived constantly. It's not about what I want. God, what's your will? It's not about what you permit, Father. What's your perfect will for this moment? I want to be inspired to live that way. I don't want to live my life on this earth living within the mere boundary lines of what God allows. Rather, I want to be inspired by the life of the Saviour, Jesus. God, even though it costs me, even though it's a harder road, let me live true to your will. The Apostle Paul chose that as well. Do you know that the Apostle Paul actually wanted to go to heaven? Yet he chose to stay here because it was beneficial or more beneficial for people. Let me read you these verses from Philippians. He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's win-win. If I live, it's the life of Christ living through me. If I die, I'm present with him. He says, if I go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labour for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I, me, my will, is I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He wasn't married. He'd been whipped and flogged so many times, left for dead. Everything about carrying the gospel often caused him pain. He said, for me to depart and be with Christ is much better. He says, but it is more necessarily, it is more necessary for you that I remain in my body. You see, Paul was saying, I've got nothing to keep me here. I've seen Christ. I would rather be with Christ. But for your gain, I will stay. This is actually, I believe, a family characteristic of those who are followers of Christ. You see, we have a choice. We can ignore the will of God. We can choose to live in the permissive will of God. Well, God allows this. Yeah, it's not God's perfect will for you. Yes, he allows it. There's better. But if you want to live in the boundary lines of what's permissive, go ahead. Or there's the perfect will of God. I love that moment when they came looking for Jesus. His family, his brothers, his sisters came looking for him. They hadn't spent time with him for long. They were actually fearful that he was getting enough rest, that they were fearful he was eating well enough, very carnal in their approach to him. But they come to this place, and we read about it in Mark chapter 3, where they're looking for Jesus and it's his mum, it's his brothers and they're like, we better take care of Jesus. We better make sure he's eating and he's sleeping. And they come to this place where Jesus is teaching the word of the father. He's teaching God's will to people that weren't by birth his brothers and sisters. And all of a sudden, some people say to him, Jesus, your mum is outside 
Jesus, your family, your brothers are outside. They're asking about you. They want to take care of you. Jesus, your family's here. And they were probably expecting Jesus to stop and go, oh, okay, let's take five. Let's just stop a moment. But listen to how Jesus responds. Who are my mother and my brothers? Wow. Who are my mother and my brothers? He asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him that were, li was, were listening to him teaching the word, who were gathered around the scriptures together. And he said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, my sister and my mother. I think he wasn't just speaking about the permissive will of God. He wasn't saying, oh, those that choose the permissive will of God over the ways of the world, that's my brother and sister. Maybe he was, but something in me says that what he was saying, I could be wrong, but this is how I interpret it. He was saying, those who gather around the word, those who gather around the word with me to look for the will of the father, to know the will of the father so that they would walk in the will of the father. Those who were desiring not the will of the world, but the will of God, the perfect will of God for their lives. These are my brothers, my sister, my mother, my father. You see, living for God's perfect will is God's desire for you. But because he gave you choice, he won't ever make you do that. Just like he won't make anyone choose him as saviour, because that would violate your free will. But yet God comes to us in moments and reveals his will to us, the unrevealed will of God for moments and situations. But he's also, like we said in week one, given a scripture that over and over every page reveals the, um, the, the will of God that he desires for us, but also the things he doesn't desire, the prohibitive will of God and the prescriptive will of God for our lives. But he leaves the choice with us. How wonderful is God? He's not a dictator. He's not a cruel ruler. He says, all right, there's the will of the world. There's my permissive will or there's my perfect good and pleasing will. You choose. Now, the results of your choice will be the consequence and the things that you live in. Yet the choice remains yours. I want to encourage you. Come on, be inspired. God, we want your will. God, we don't just want that which is permissive or the things that you allow. God, like Abraham, we want to step out of the boundaries of living the life that we know into the things that you have for us just like jeremiah before he was born before you formed him in the womb you had perfect will purposes for him god we want to embrace the perfect pleasing good will plans that you have for us as well i was thinking that a good way to end today would be simply to just pray that section of the lord's prayer together and not just pray, Lord, let your will be done as it's done in heaven, in the world. But let's pray that in our lives today. Maybe you're watching this live. Maybe you're watching this on catch up. Maybe you're at home. Maybe you're in the workplace. Maybe you're sitting on a train. I don't know where you are as you're watching this. But I want to invite, invite you 
over the course of the three weeks, we made some decisions of, of choices that we can make in regard to what it is to know the will of God. Will you pray this prayer with me now? In a few moments after I finish speaking, you're going to be given the opportunity to receive Jesus as Saviour if you've never yet done that. If you've not yet chosen Christ as Saviour, make that choice. It's the best decision you could ever make. But for those who are Christians, are believers, God wants to know, do you want my permissive will? Do you want to ignore my will? Or would you like to know my perfect will for your life? Lord, we want to pray this prayer today together as an online community, an online congregation, an online gathering of people. We simply make the response to this journey we've been on, the prayer that you taught us to pray, Jesus. Our Father, just go ahead and say this with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth, but also in my life, in the decisions that I'm making, in the choices that I'm choosing. Father, let your will be done in me and through me, just as it's continually done in heaven. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this series together. And again, if you've missed any of the previous two, please go back on our different social media platforms and, and other platforms and catch up on week one or week two if you've missed them. But I hope you've enjoyed this time again together today. The Lord bless you. Have an incredible week. God bless.